Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week we talked to Kaylin Huntress about how to gamify your work. What a fun topic and conversation and we had an absolute blast. Kaylin was an awesome guest. Uh, so have a listen, learn how you can gamify your work and even your life and have a magical week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. As you will be able to tell by the title of this podcast, we have a guest, and that's very exciting. The topic, which you would have already seen by now, is very exciting, but we'll get to all that shortly. Let's uh, let's see how our team's going. And Danette, how are you going today? Yeah, good, Jez. Um, we've just got a huge storm happening at the moment. So if I disappear, I'll come back once the um, internet comes back. So, But it's amazing. It's good to be home. So, yeah after a week of travel last week. So thanks. That's all right. And I said, uh, just for people that were wondering, before we started recording, Danette just disappeared uh, for a second. So we'll do our best to at least edit her in later in the podcast production. Uh, so it'll all be good. It'll be seamless. Um, Alan, how are you going today? I'm going great, Jez. I've been having a bit of a fun this morning. We've met a couple from uh, Scotland who have moved here to the Gold Coast and I took Johnny out on the two-seater canoe for a bit of a paddle around the canals here and having a bit of a joke that we might get wet and I realized he wasn't so much worried about getting wet he was worried about the sharks in the water <laughs> <laughs> well good to see you made it back in one piece Al <laughs> thanks Jess <laughs> no worries and um uh Caitlin, how are you going today fantastic it's another great day to be alive <laughs> I, it's been really cold lately, you know, here in the Southern Hemisphere, when we're recording this, it's only a week away from the winter solstice. But today, Jazz, the this sunshine came out in the middle of the day, and I, there was like two hours of hot sunshine in the depths of winter, so I'm in a great mood. I got lots of vitamin D today. That's good. I also feel like I'm a bit solar-powered, Kaylin, so I am 100% <laughs> on board with what you're talking about. Now, Kaylin... Um, I think this is a perfect opportunity. So first of all, where are you uh, broadcasting out of? And then secondly, for people that may be being introduced to you for the first time, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you today from uh, Oamaru on the South Island of New Zealand. And as you can probably tell, I have an accent and you might think, wow, he sounds Canadian. And I'd say, wow, that's so polite of you, but I actually am American. And, but I left America 10 years ago and uh, with, my, uh, uh, with my young family and I've been living as a digital nomad for more than 10 years. And, uh, and I find myself in this far off corner of the world and I've stopped moving. I recently moved for the 11th time in 11 years and, and now I found my spot. And so we're we're looking at putting some roots down in this in this tiny town on the Pacific coast in New Zealand, and uh, and it, it's really fun here. But uh, to answer your question, Jez, I I supported myself as a digital nomad with a uh, through marketing. Uh, marketing automation was my field. Setting up email automations and doing website design. I've done that for a long time, but uh, you know my my target market was authors, coaches, and speakers people who had something to say and something to sell. Cause I have a background in performance. I was an acrobat in the circus when I started my career. And so I'm, I'm real comfortable on the stage. And I, I worked as the back end for so many New York Times bestselling authors and internationally syndicated radio hosts that I, a few years ago, I decided, you know, I wanna get on the stage myself. And I, and I started uh, working as a speaker and a coach and an author. I, I, last year I published my first book. It's called Marketing Yourself. 
how to elevate your personal platform to the next level. And so that's where a lot of my uh, my previous work has been. But what I've been spending a lot of time in and what we're going to be talking about today is the gamification of work and helping people get more done in good cheer. Amazing. Amazing. And what a great journey. I feel like that teases up perfectly for a great conversation today, Kaylin. Now, this topic that when you sent it through, this was like music to my ears because I love um, I love fun in general. And if you can bring that into anything extra, I think that's amazing. And work is a great place to, um, to do it. So I was just wondering, tell us a little bit about why you chose this topic. Well, I've always had to trick myself into doing boring work because you know i'm i was a clown and my work was play and so i found myself using these tricks to get through doing boring work that i didn't enjoy and i haven't worked in corporate america a lot i've been in a couple of times i always felt like i was on safari you know where they wear those hats with the grass on them so that you know the 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 wildlife doesn't realize you're not one of them that's how i felt in corporate america but i saw these these people just getting drained by their work day in and day out and i was completely different because i came in with enthusiasm for my day and i was using these gamification techniques i didn't know that's what they were but i was using these tricks to have fun with my day and then I spent a long time as an entrepreneur, just kind of nurturing these, uh, these tricks for myself. And then I started doing some productivity training. And I realized that most people think time management sucks because it it's taught that way. It's this boring drudgery that you have to get through because work is a drag. But work doesn't have to be that way. Work can be fun. Uh, there was a, uh, a study done by Gettysburg Research. They found that we spend an average of 90,000 hours at work. That's a third of our waking life. And I'd rather enjoy that huge section of my life and have fun with it rather than endure it because I'm being bribed with a paycheck, you know? Mm, beautiful. Well, I mean, that's perfect. I think there's going to be um, this is such a great topic for um, our podcast because we always like new approaches to business. I think this is an amazing way to look at it. I love that, um, that talk about how long you spend at work. It's so true. So I think that that's amazing. I think let's just kick right into the question. So I'll start with Danette, who is still on the line, thankfully. Um, Danette, <laughs> tell us what was your question and why did you choose it? Well, first of all, I have to give a plug for Kaylin's book because I bought a copy of your book, Kaylin. It was awesome. So Everyone, you should get a copy of Carolyn's book. It's awesome. <laughs> now, my question was, what are some fun ways to gamify work? And really just because our listeners, we like to give them tangible things they can do. And I just thought, as Jess said, it's such a great topic because work should be enjoyable, not drudgery all the time. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been tricked by corporate America in believing that uh, that toil is the price we pay for leisure. But we don't have to have it backwards we can enjoy our life while we're working and so to answer your question there there's some fun games that i like to do that are based on rewards you know i had to spend a lot of time doing taxes last week and it sucked i really did not enjoy it and so i said i gamified the experience and i said you know I've, what are the the components of this project i have to do this boring spreadsheet i have to collect all these invoices and i have to write a complicated email and i've got to do a little bit of research to figure out what to do and so i listed out everything that i had to do you know just a, a checklist to do this project i got to do these things but then i gave myself a list of rewards 
for every item on that list, I des designated a specific reward I would give myself. When I finished the boring spreadsheet, I was going to go bounce on the trampoline for five minutes. When I, uh, I got this, all these invoices together, I was going to spend 15 guilt-free minutes cruising Twitter and then get back to the project. And so by structuring in these rewards, instead of seeing all this toil in front of me, I also saw all these rewards that I was looking forward to doing. I love that. And I love that you've um, brought them in as you do a task rather than waiting to right at the end where it's like it's so boring and dull to break it up. That's fabulous. So great. Thank you. That was a great answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, having the big reward at the end of the project is one way you can gamify it. But studies have found that sub goals make it a lot easier for us to attain big goals. Think about it like chapters of a book. You know, you, you don't get a, a, a point to stop and pause and consider only at the end. Every chapter wraps up a section and gives you a chance to breathe and think about what you've learned and get ready for the next and pause if you want to. These natural breaks make it easier for us to take a large project and break it down into smaller digestible chunks. I love that metaphor. That's awesome. Thank you. I um I also just want to say this reminds me so much of actual video games. Uh, sometimes I find them frustrating when they don't have those breaks. You have to play for twenty minutes to get to a point where you can save. And you go, I actually really don't like this. I wish it was every two or three minutes where I can choose where I want to stay. So I guess that's what you're saying, Caitlin, is so true. Even if you apply that to work, where it's like I want to have little sections that I know I can jump off here if I need to and come back on. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. So thanks for that. I might. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go. Go ahead. Yeah. So vi video games have been a big part of my journey as well. I, I I once prided myself on having beaten the first ten Final Fantasy games, and after Final Fantasy ten, I was like, okay, I'm not really liking where the franchise is going. I need to get my life back. I started having kids, and so I stopped being a gamer. But I still, now that they're older, I game a little bit right now. And right now, I'm I'm deep into the new Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Fantastic game, and it. And you can stop it anywhere. You don't have to find a save point. In previous versions of Zelda and in a lot of video games, you have to get this specific save point where you are, you are able to save your game and take a break and go back into the real world. But what I like so much about modern games is you can literally stop anywhere. You can save anywhere so that you're not beholden to reaching a sub goal or you lose progress. 100%. And look, I wish we could really get into uh, Legend of Zelda chat. I just finished all the Nintendo 64 ones recently, but let's jump into um, Al. Al, what was your question? I think it's related to the last one, but um, Al, what was your question? Tell us a little bit about why you chose it. Uh, thanks, Jess. It, Caitlin, yeah, my question is, how can you link what you love to the actual activities? And it came about, I was doing Pilates recently and telling my instructor how I've been working as part of the towel crane crew. And she started linking the activities that we're doing in the class and describing them you know, as a crane works from that central strong pivot point. And it just switched that little voice in my head where my, it was like my inner child took over. Instead of doing this big, long reach that was hard for me, you know, in my head, I was the crane that was yeah, stretching its limits. And it just changed the exercise completely. Oh, that's brilliant. 
Oh, I, I love that analogy so much, Al, because, you know, as I'm, I'm a mover myself. And so I think of things kinesthetically first. Mm -hmm. And, and in yoga, we use a lot of uh, metaphors for the poses. When you're in crane pose, you hold a specific position with your body. But the, when you think of the imagery of the crane, then you can use that to deepen your practice. And so just as a tangent there, kinesthetically, analogies are, are really helpful. But to return to your question, how can you link what you love to your actual activities? The, the first thing I'd recommend is, is to use rewards. You know, I, I do this thing that I don't like, and so I'm going to reward myself with something that I do like. But the second thing is to look at, how, look at what you're procrastinating on. Your procrastination is a clue. The things you like to do when you're procrastinating, those are things that you don't have to be bribed to do with a paycheck. You're, you have some intrinsic motivation to go and do this thing. Uh, you know, I, I really like um, uh, visuals and graphics because I'm a designer, you know, and I, I like seeing pretty things and seeing ideas visually represented against each other in different ways. And the way this manifested back when I was selling car insurance was I was spending a lot of time on social media looking for quote images. This was back in, you know, 2006, Facebook was new and seeing an image with a, uh, a famous quote on it. I'm big into quotes. I, I, I collect quotes. I think quotes are, are great little encapsulations of ideas because you don't have to read the whole book. You just get this thing that has lasted in popular culture. And that was a clue to me that this little uh, thing I liked to do when I was procrastinating, collecting quotes and images, that was something that I loved. And when I found a way to weave that into my boring work of car insurance, it turned out that sharing these quotes on social media back when it was a new thing, people were really interested in this. And I helped build my personal brand by taking something that was a procrastination and moving it into promoting my business. It didn't seem like they matched, but I leaned into my procrastination and I found a way to incorporate it in the larger work that I was doing. Well, thanks, Carlton. Yeah, I love that idea of yeah, the thing that I probably would have labeled as a negative. Yeah, it's clearly something I do enjoy because that's where I'm procrastinating and swinging around the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And that, that's a great clue. I love that term that it's a clue. That's a great way to think about it, Kaylin. That's such a uh, a fun way. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, I think this is nicely weaves into Graham's question, so I might throw over to that. Which is, how can gamification improve engagement and performance at work? Ah, oh, great question. I love this. So, you know, our our teammates at work are they're more than just colleagues who are getting paid by the same entity. There are a lot, a lot of times your, your teammates at work, they're called your second family. Some people spend more time with their work colleagues than with their actual family. Hour for hour during the week, you spend so much time with these people. Having a strong relationship with them where you trust each other is imperative to doing better work. And one of the best ways that we found to building a strong relationships in a culture is through play because play gives us a low stakes way to, to practice failing together. 
You know, you, when you go out to karaoke with with uh, with a group of friends, it's not because somebody hit every perfectly that you just loved the performance. It's because you saw them let go. You saw them tear through this melody and miss all the wrong ones and still drill at it. And that gives you such a deep connection because you saw someone so closely and so vulnerable. At work, we think that we have to perform perfectly and have everyone else see us perform perfectly if we're going to maintain our reputation. But counterintuitively, it's actually the 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 it's actually how we fail together that allows us to develop stronger relationships. And those relationships create a better culture. And when people have a strong culture in their team, they they trust each other more. They're more willing to pick up the slack when things go go wrong. They have the resilience needed to solve hard problems because they've tested what is it like if we fail together? How do you react? How do I help my teammates that are in trouble? It's so much easier to discover this over a board game than it is when there's $250,000 on the line. Play gives us an opportunity to test those high stakes interactions when the stakes are low and it's okay to fail. Yeah, I um I love this. Uh, and it does, I think this will lead into my question kind of a little bit as well, because I used to do team building. I used to go out to different uh, companies and do team building. And a lot of that is games, you know, obviously, you know, it's, you know, set up dominoes, who can do that the fastest or what have you. And uh, you could see sort of a difference in cultures where some teams really embraced the team fun element of it. They were like, oh, you know, it's so funny. You know, this person can't get an Oreo biscuit from their forehead to their mouth without their hands. Ha ha ha. And then there was also some other cultures where it was extremely competitive where people were annoyed that their teammates weren't doing well um, and really taking it extremely seriously when it was just you know a bit of fun I guess uh, my question which I uh, you know as someone that loves um, games I like having fun my question was is there a way that gamifying work can go wrong yeah it totally can and it's usually with competition you know, the competitive drive is, is really useful for amplifying output because you set a goal a little further and people are like, ooh, I wanna, I wanna achieve that. You put up a leaderboard with all the sales team's rankings and, and you think, oh, I wanna be the king of the mountain. I wanna get to the top of that list. But that competitiveness can become poisonous and it can actually decrease your enthusiasm because let's say you've been at the top of the leaderboard for three weeks and then somebody knocks you off and you're no longer number one. And you could think, oh, what's the point? Why should I even bother working this week? I'll wait until next month when the stats reset. So yeah, it can go wrong. And it's usually in the competitive scoring that it happens. Yeah. Um, it, it, that also kind of reminds me actually of another workplace I had where that exact scenario was something that I feel like I experienced, which was they had a thing where it was like they, um, everybody was measured on a certain stat level, exactly what you're talking about. And there was a, a whole variety of stats available, but only one was important. And whoever did the worst in that stat um, was fired and they were just hiring new people all the time. So it was a really intensive um, way to do it. Uh, and so, and what would happen, you know, is it would always lead to bad scenarios because, you know, if someone accidentally put through someone else's sale, then all of a sudden it's huge, you know, cause their stats are all uninflated and what have you. So it ended up being quite toxic. And that's exactly, I think kind of what you're talking about, but I've also been in workplaces where it's been really fun to, you know, have some sort of uh, employee of the month type system as well. 
Um, yeah, well, you bring um, up a great example there, Jazz, of, of how, you know, games can go wrong. Uh, and it makes me think of Squid Games. Those are technically games, but the stakes are so high and the penalties are so severe that it's not fun to play that way. And so the trick is we want to find ways that it can be fun to play and not cause anxiety and confusion. Yes, 100%. You don't want squid games. That's a good, I think that's a good point. Um, awesome. Well, I might, um, I want, might go to Kanika's question here, which is, are there ways to gamify your life outside of the workplace to do things you may struggle to do or have motivation to do? I'm thinking probably chores with this one or what have you. So is there a way to incorporate it into other elements of your life? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the simplest games that I teach in my workshops is habit alarms. You know, if there's something that you want to do every day and there's a time of day that's best for it to do it, then I then, you know, take out your phone and set an alarm for that time and title the alarm the thing you're supposed to do. And then you have this reminder that comes up. Oh, it's three o'clock. I'm supposed to walk the dog. Simple game. And it's just a, an easy reminder that can help you gamify your activity. Um, and so outside of the workplace, I'd say habit alarms are the easiest thing that you could do. Mm, yeah, that's a great one. I feel like that's, and it's, it's so good to just keep yourself kind of locked in or snap you out of whatever you might else be doing. Um, awesome. Mm -hmm. well, um, we've got Allegra's question here. Um, gamifying has something to do with making things more fun. What does fun mean to you and why is it important? Ah, well, you know, fun is a, is a great word, but it means something different to a lot of people, you know, everybody has their own personal definition of fun because our tastes are different. But I think generally what people, what people as a whole conceive of as fun is something that they enjoy. And the word enjoy, I take that to mean that it, it like enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is one of my favorite words. It comes from the Greek entheos, which means the God within. And it's when you have a spiritual feeling inside of you. That's actually what enthusiasm is. And enjoyment, similarly, is when you have joy coming out of you. So the thing that brings joy out of you so that you don't have to find it, you don't have to work for it, but it's just there and you're generating joy. To me, that's what fun is. Yeah, amazing. Um, and that's such a great way to look at it as well. I love um, it's so true. When I'm thinking of being enthusiastic, it is definitely an internal um, feeling. So it's uh, that's so true. That's a great way to look at. It. Thanks for that. Um, awesome. Well, I might um throw to Danette. Danette, any did you have any final thoughts on gamifying your work um, or today's conversation? Well, I loved all of it, and my takeaway is that yeah, you know, we spend so much time at work. And they are our second family. The, the more joy and fun and gamification we can bring in, the better the atmosphere, the better the culture and toning down the competition so that it's um, not dog eat dog like Jez's example where they were firing people. It's just ugh. so great conversation. Um, and yeah, want to hear more. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's so, I think um, I like one of my biggest takeaways, I have to say, Kaylin, is that, is that balance between too competitive and um, testing how people react to different situations in a controlled environment, basically, is such an important way to look at this in a way that I feel like can serve everybody and is uh, really important. Al, I might throw to you, what are your final thoughts on today's conversation or gamifying your work as a concept? 
Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth there, Jez, where yeah, that idea of competition going too far, I can really relate to that. It's finding that happy medium. And the other one, which I think you said, Jez, for me is that, you know, how do we fail or how do we respond when we fail and putting that in a safe space to build that trust where we can see one another being vulnerable, where we don't have to be the expert. We're all human beings and yeah, we can fail and know that that's okay. And it can be fun. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it as well, Al. I love that. Uh, amazing. Thanks for that, Al. Um, Kaylin, I'll throw to you any final thoughts you have on the topic of gamifying your work or today's conversation. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, this this topic of failure is, you know, is is near and dear to my heart uh, because I, I think that failure is one of the Truman Capote said it best. He said, uh, "Failure is the condiment that gives success its flavor," and failing is something that you do in games. When you're running around with Super Mario, it's the failing that teaches you how to do things better. And our schools don't optimize for failing. Our schools optimize for never making a mistake. But why games are so fun is because you can fail and it's low stakes. And it's actually through failing, and we've, we've proven this scientifically, that when kids feel safe to fail, and grownups too, if you can fail fluently, then you can actually learn things much faster than if you're trying to get everything absolutely correct. Yeah, uh, well, that's a great way to kind of um, think about it as well. I, I feel like the, what, one thing that I've really taken away also from this conversation, I have to say, is everything that you're saying kind of has a through line with things that I feel like I've known inherently, but I've never heard them put out there before. So I feel like I'm, I'll listen back to this and I feel like I'll, it'll, it's like keyed all these things together that, um, yeah, like I said, I feel like I've internally felt, but never verbalized or heard verbalized. So uh, what a great conversation. Now, Kaylin. What, oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Um, now, I was just going to say, before we go, uh, people may have been listening to this and gone, this is amazing. How can I get more of this? So, Kaylin, tell us a little bit about where people can contact you and some resources you have for people. Sure. Yeah. The, the easiest way to contact me is through um, uh, my newsletter. I write a playful productivity newsletter every week. And uh, for, for your subscribers, they can go to gamifyyourwork.com and subscribe to my playful productivity newsletter and I'll send them a 16 page PDF called gamify your work. It's all about how we get done, get more done in good cheer. It's full of games and activities that you can use to gamify your own work. And I cover a lot of the scientific research of play that can help you improve your performance. Amazing. Well, those links are going to be available in this podcast description. So you can go click them straight away and go check out that PDF. I had a look at it. It was really good. Um, Kaylin, I want to thank you so much for being on the ML podcast. What a fantastic episode. Um, to our regulars, Al and Danette, thanks for being on. Great questions. And to everybody listening at home, have a magical week. 